church, if you would, turn with me to the book of John in your Bibles. And we're going to be in John chapter 8. We're going to be finishing up the uh, chapter 8 there. As you're flipping to John chapter 8, I'm going to lay out for you just because it's last week. We, we went to a different place. We did something a little bit different. So um, I'm going to kind of give you a little bit of, of context to bring us back together um, and, and, and hopefully help get, a, get you caught back up in case maybe you weren't even here. So what we've been talking about leading up to where we are today is, is we began with the, the woman who had committed adultery. We started there. We talked about how you know, those verses weren't technically connected um, into the original manuscripts. However, the story in and of itself still carries weight because we believe that it is something that Jesus um, uh, most likely did, and it's the reason that it was included. It was a story that was handed and passed down. And so we talked all about what that whole situation looked like, how she was the only one who was, who was being condemned. The man was nowhere to be found, and yet he should have been just as equally right in the middle there, ready to be stoned alongside her. However, we know that things back then, um, it didn't add up. Women oftentimes were treated unfairly, poorly, and oftentimes were even just viewed just really as a, as a better-looking form of cattle, if we're being honest. And, and you know, when you, when you break it down, women over the years going back through through scripture and, and seeing how people, and even today, you go over in many third world countries and women are not treated well. They are still literally traded for livestock. It's sad to think. And we, we had a, a guest who came in and even talked to us about, about women who are sex trafficked. And, and, and these things happen and they occur. And the sad part is, is while it was happening 2,000 years ago, it still happens today. And so oftentimes back in that time frame, women who were, were given off or given away and, and their, their fathers would say, hey, you need to give me, you know, a few camels to be able to marry my daughter. I made a joke and said, you know, my daughter's worth a lot of camels because she's blonde hair and blue eyed. Um, and, and so we, we talked all about what that whole situation looked like. And then we got to see where they were going to the Feast of Tabernacles. And Jesus said, well, I'm not going to the Feast of Tabernacles, and I'm going to hang out here. And his brothers, we learned that he had brothers, and they said, no, we're, we're going to go up to the Feast. You should come because, you know, you're, you're amazing, and, and you can do all these great things, and you should basically show off. And Jesus is like, I'm not about showing off. I'm about being obedient to the Father. So I'm going to do the things that the Father has commanded for me to do. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to only do what he asks for me to do. And then we got to learn that he ended up going to the festival anyway. And we had to figure out, what does that mean? What did that look like? Did Jesus lie? He said he wasn't going to go, and then he turned around and he went. But what we got to learn was he didn't necessarily go to the festival. Where did he go? He went to the temple. He went to teach and to preach. While everybody else was out having fun and, and celebrating, he was doing God's work. Why? Because he's obedient. And he does what the Father tells him to do. And so he stayed there in that temple, and he did what he was supposed to, and that was to share the truth, the, the true words that God wanted people to know. Not the false things that the Pharisees and the scribes and the, and the Sadducees, all those people, not what those people were pursuing, because those people weren't pursuing holiness. Oftentimes, they pursued what was going to best line 
their pockets, but they had robes. So imagine robes with pockets. You women can relate. Um, you all don't have pockets in anything. Um, so you imagine the, what they went through. But here Jesus is, is there, and he's, and he's spreading the good news. And this angers the Pharisees. It angers some of the Jews that were gathered around. And then we got to see that, that you know, that even in the midst of them being angry, we get to see the way that Jesus handles things. And the, and the amazing, and what I'm excited about today is what we're going to see and read today. You're going to get to see how Jesus handles, I'm going to call it sarcasm, because they get sarcastic with Jesus. If you can imagine that. Could you imagine being in the face of Jesus and then giving him lip? No. I don't think so. You know, it's like he just he's going to smite you right where you stand. You know, I mean, it, you just don't do that to Jesus. But they didn't know him was the problem, right? If you knew he was Jesus, the true son of God, you're going to zip your lip and you're going to shut up and you're going to listen. But if you don't know who he is, you're going to treat him just like Joe Schmo down the road, aren't you? You're going to look at him and say, you think he's crazy. You're going to look at him and say, well, you must have a demon inside of you. You're going to look at him and say, dude, you're off your rocker. What's wrong with you? And that's exactly what they did. They didn't know him. You know why they didn't know him? Because they didn't know God the Father either, who they, who they absolutely adamantly claimed to know. They said, they said, we're the Pharisees. If anybody in this room, if anybody that's in this sanctuary, if anybody that's in the temple, we know best. That's how the Pharisees that's how they came forth. We know what's right. We know what's good. We know what's best. I'm here to tell you as your pastor, I don't know squat. Don't trust me. You trust God's word. You check me on it. It's the reason I say, open up your Bibles to John chapter 8. Read this with me so that you'll know I'm not deceiving you, that I'm not just a wolf in sheep's clothing. It's way too much of an important part of your life. Now, I'm not talking about your life of the here and now. I'm talking about your eternal life, your home, your eternal home. Don't rest that upon my shoulders. I can't carry that. I'm not big enough. I'm not manly enough. I'm not red enough today to carry that. The truth is, is that only Jesus can carry those things, and the truth is, is that he has. He took upon himself the weight of the world's sin. All of it. And he carried it upon himself, and he dealt with it, did he? Right? He dealt with it. Jesus Christ faced off with the most dangerous enemy that we have, didn't he? Who's the most dangerous enemy we have? Satan. It's okay, you can say it. It's Satan. Satan is the worst enemy that we will ever face in this world. He causes all sorts of destruction. He's the father of lies. He's the one who is orchestrating many of the things that are going on around us today. And he's not alone. He's got workers. See, he's not infinite like God is. God can be everywhere at the same time. Satan can't do that. When he was called before the Lord... It's, it's, it's always funny. It strikes me as funny. It says, when God called a meeting of the angels to come together, Satan had to show up. He didn't get a free ticket to say, no, I'm not coming today because I'm Satan. It was when God says, show up, 
even Satan showed up. Doesn't that sound weird? You would think, oh, Mr. DeFire, who was kicked out of heaven and crashed down here to earth to wreak havoc, would be like, uh-uh, I ain't going to your meeting today. No, when God says, you show up, guess what? You show up. And he shows up for us in mighty ways. And when they called that meeting together, he asked Satan, he said, where have you, you been at? He knew well, full well where he was. But Satan said, I've been going to and fro. I've been going to and fro on this earth. You know why he was going to and fro? Because he can't be everywhere at the same time. He doesn't have that type of power. He doesn't have that type of ability. God is all-powerful. God is infinite. God is everything. And so as we jump into our, our scripture for today and we begin to see what is being talked about here, the reason I speak to you about Satan is because he's all up in these scriptures. And I'm telling you this because I want you to have the realization that he is real. He's not just somebody that we made up. And, and also, I want you to understand, he's not a guy running around in a costume with horns and a long pointy tail. That's something that was brought up in cartoons so that we could laugh about it, so that we could feel good about it. Isn't that what we do? We take things that are hard and then we figure out, how do we make it funny so it's not so scary? Isn't that what we do? No. No. That's not who he is. Now, I think I've mentioned this before. If you've ever watched The Passion of the Christ, if you haven't, I urge you to do it. It's a wonderful, wonderful movie. It's all in subtitles, so prepare yourself. About three hours long. But there's a scene in it where you will see Satan walking as Jesus is being beaten and tortured. Satan is walking along. He is absolutely beautiful. Beautiful. He doesn't have horns. He doesn't have jagged teeth. Doesn't look like he's going to eat your face off. Doesn't look scary at all. He's beautiful. And it's the reason he's so easily able to deceive you. It's the reason he's able to come against you and say, hey, how about this? Hey, Eve, don't you eat of that fruit? Doesn't it look yummy? If he had looked horrible and scary, she'd have been like, ah, get me out of here. You know, like that's just what she would have done. That's not who he is. He is deceitful. He comes after you. He wants you to not fear him. But we've been taught differently than that. So as we go through these scriptures today, I want you to have a real picture of who Satan is. He was an angel. That's who he was. When we picture angels, who do we picture? Halos and wings. It's just beautiful, with flowy white gowns, and it's just amazing. Like Satan was an angel. Get that through your heads. That's who he was. He's not this scary creature that oftentimes gets painted for us. So take a look with me. John chapter 8, starting at verse 39. <clears throat> so it says, They answered him, the Jews and the, the Pharisees, is who we're talking about, just to get you on the right foot here. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, If you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works, of the, uh, you are doing the works your father did. They said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, if, if God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God. 
and I am here. I am not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? Is it because you cannot bear to hear my word? You are of the father, the de- you are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do the father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth for him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell you truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. The Jews answered him, are you uh, the Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? And Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my Father, and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets, yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died, and the prophets died? Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies me, of whom you say. Now I lost my place. He is our God, but you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you, but I do do know him and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So So the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old and you have seen Abraham? And Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself, and he went out of the temple. Now, I told you, I told you to prepare yourself because this scripture has a lot in it. And, it. and again, we are talking about the evil one here. It just goes to show that he was at work 2,000 years ago. He's at work still today, people. He hasn't taken a break. He hasn't rested. His his will, his desire, it's unceasing. But praise God that we have Jesus Christ, who is also even more unceasing. Jesus Christ pursues us in everything that we do and everything that we are. We have Jesus, who we know already has won the victory over the evil one, haven't we? Listen, we start off with, you know, they're, they're coming to Jesus, they're answering, they're talking about Abraham because this is who they're holding true to. They're looking to who they are saying is their father. They're calling Abraham their father. Many of these others that they refer to, they're talking about, they call them the prophets. So they say, you know, our father, talking about Abraham, and they also talk about God the Father. But they come to him and they say, you know, if you were, if you were Abraham's children, then, you know, or Jesus says, if you were Abraham's children, you'd be doing the same work that he did. 
Abraham was obedient. I don't know if you recall, but there's this one little tiny thing that Abraham did that stands out. It was concerning his child. You see, when Abraham was called upon by the Lord, who said, hey, I want you to take your son, your only son, that's how it's worded, I want you to take your son, your only son. He said, and I want you to go to the place that I'm going to tell you, and I want you to sacrifice your son right there on that spot. This was a child whom Abraham was promised by God, who God had said, I'm going to make this child and his descendants to be as numerous as the stars. Abraham had been given a covenant, he'd been given a promise, and now God is saying, I want you to take that very child and I want you to take him to a place that I'm not even going to tell you yet where it is. You're just going to go. And now I'm going to tell you to stop and I'm going to tell you to sacrifice your child. Does that not sound insane? It sounds crazy, doesn't it? And yet, here is Abraham, who it says in Scripture, got up early the next day so that he could gather up everything that was going to be needed for the trip. He got up early. I'm not getting up early for that. I'm sleeping in. Matter of fact, I probably didn't sleep at all. I'm tossing and turning all night, worrying about what's going to happen. How am I going to get out of this? How am I going to save my kid? Abraham got up early because he was obedient. And he gathered up his son, and he gathered up wood, and he gathered up a knife, and he gathered up everything that was needed to be able to take this trip. And then they started going in a direction, and they said, well, where are we going? He said, God will provide the way and the place. And they just went, walking by faith so that he can murder his child. Doesn't that sound crazy? And then he goes, and they get to the place where he's supposed to be, and Father Abraham is told, this is it. You're going to go up there and you're going to sacrifice your child. And so he goes to that place and, 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 and here's Isaac. He's looking at him and he's going, uh, Dad, where's the sacrifice? And he said, Son, pay attention. God will provide the sacrifice. That's an important key there. He also looked at the servants and he said, You guys that are with us, you all wait here. I and the boy are going to go up there and we will come back to you. Now, those are important words, too, because Abraham is saying he and the boy are going to come back. He's been told, you're going to go sacrifice your son. Doesn't that mean that the child's not coming back? Isn't that what that means? But he has faith, doesn't he? He has faith that is unshifting and unmoving. He knows that the Lord has made a covenant with him. He knows that the Lord has said, this is going to be the child whom there will be descendants as numerous as the sands on the seas on the seashore, and as numerous as the stars. This child, he made Abraham a promise, and Abraham believed that promise, regardless of what he was in the midst of at that current moment. And so then they go, they get up on top of the mountain, and they are there, and then he gets everything ready, and he binds his child. He binds him up, and he takes, and he lays him on top of an altar that he made, and he raises up, a, up, up his, up his uh, a dagger, and he goes to bring it down. He begins to bring it down. That's how close this was. That's how obedient he was. He went to start bringing down the dagger so he could kill his own child. And then God said, Abraham. He said, yes, Lord. He said, I see now that you're obedient. And I've provided a sacrifice for you. And they turn around and there's a lamb that's been caught up in a thicket. So he brings his child off of the altar and he grabs that lamb and he lays him on the altar and they sacrifice that instead. You know what the lamb represented? Jesus. 
Jesus, God said, I'm going to provide someone for you in your place, in your stead. I'm going to supply that. Understand what that is. That is God sacrificing his own child for you. That's what that is. That is the Lord showing up, talk about in the last second, on the way down, thank goodness for his reflexes to stop. I wouldn't have made it that far. If I'm being honest with you today, I wouldn't have made it that far. Would you have made it that far? So when these Pharisees, when these people are saying, our father, Abraham, we're like him. They are lying through their teeth. Because ain't nobody in this room like Abraham, are we? And I'll tell you right now, those Pharisees, as sinful as they were, were the last thing like Abraham. And I'm not judging them. I'm telling you what the truth is. They were leading people wrong. Jesus tells them, he's like, he's like if, you, if you were like Abraham, you'd be doing the works that he did. But he's like, you're not. He says, you seek to kill me. The man who told you the truth, he says. This is not what Abraham did. And then he goes, you are doing the works your father did. Now, they, they just referred to Abraham as their father. And Jesus has said, no, 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 no. You're not doing what Abraham did. You're doing the work that your father did. Now, he hasn't named him yet, has he? But he's pointing them in a completely different direction. You want to say that Jesus Christ only skips through fields of flowers and he only loves you and he's only just going to bring up good things and he just wants your best life now and he just wants all these great and amazing things for you? Pay attention to what he's about to do because he's about to drop some solid truth on some people that think they are pretty high up. I'm talking some hard, solid truth here. The Jews and the Jewish leaders, they, they eagerly hold on to the past. They try to proclaim something that isn't theirs. What are they trying to proclaim? Holiness. Uprightness. Righteousness. They are trying to claim that they are devoted and obedient to God, and they're not. We can try to claim that today. You know what? We're not. None of us are. And they tried to do this in a way to say that we are, we are better and we know more. When you look back through even the Old Testament, 1 Samuel, there's, um, there's one, Eli. His two sons were priests. Uh, it, was, uh, it was Hophni and, and Phinehas. And when people would come to give their sacrifices, they would take care of the sacrifices. And they would, they would boil the sacrifices. And they would do the things that God had instructed for them to do. But then as they... They brought the sacrifice up out of it. And we're like, that smells pretty good. So they take a little nibble. And they began to eat what belonged to the Lord. And they got called out for it. And when they got called out for it, Eli ignored it. Chose to look the other way. People were bringing attention to it. And ultimately, Hophni and Phinehas died for their disobedience. The Lord struck them down. And because Eli decided to turn a blind eye to it, it says that when he learned of his son's death, that he fell backwards and he broke his neck and he died instantly. And then his wife, who was pregnant and getting ready to have another child, she died in, 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 in birthing her child. 
God dealt harshly with that entire family because of their disobedience. And it should be an eye-opener, an awakening for us to pay attention. You know, they come at Jesus here and they said, they said well, we're not born of sexual immorality. We have one Father. And get this, they go, we have one Father, even God. What does that mean? You have one Father, God. What's the even for? What do you, who are you pointing out? It's because they believe Abraham to be their father, don't they? And then they say, we have one father, Abraham, even, even God. They are trying to point out their sinlessness. They want to show everybody that they are better than everyone else. And the truth is, they're actually among the worst. When Jesus then says to them, if God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God. I am here, he says. Notice that there's a couple of words in there. It says, I came from God and I am here. It's this beginning idea that Jesus is going to ultimately push towards. He says, I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. He says, why don't you understand? Why don't you understand? Verse 43, this is really where Jesus gets real. It's where he begins to really drop the hammer on them. Because the rest of 43, where it says, why do you not understand what I say? He says, it's because you cannot bear to hear my word. He's about to call it like it is. You know who else can't bear to hear the words of Jesus? Demons. Satan. When Jesus approached uh, a man who, who had a demon in him, Jesus didn't even have to say who he was. The demon looked at him and said, what do you want with me, Lord? And then Jesus dealt harshly with him, cast him out. You see, this, this scripture is all about pointing, Jesus is pointing out the wrongs, who's in control and who's not in control. And then verse 44, Jesus doesn't mince words here. He says, you are of your father, the devil. He says it just like it is. Now, this is, this is, this is the Jesus that only says good things. This is the Jesus that doesn't, doesn't want you to feel bad, right? Except he just sat here and said, you're of your father, the devil. He says, and your will is to do your father's desires. It was a, he was a murderer from the beginning. He doesn't stand in truth because there is no truth in him. And when he lies, he speaks out of his own character. He's a liar and he's the father of lies. Does that sound like someone we want to belong to? Does that sound like somebody we want to be associated with? Does that sound like somebody that we want to follow? I hope your answer is no. In John 10.10, we'll get to that at some point when we get into John chapter 10. We're only in in chapter 8 currently, but in John chapter 10, verse 10, it says, The thief, meaning the devil or Satan, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus says this. He says, I have come that they may have life. And have it abundantly. See, there's the, the, the stark difference between who Satan is and who Jesus is. Satan is a murderer. Satan is a liar. Satan is everything that is evil and has everything to do about what evil is and it, what, what it represents. Jesus says, I am life and I am love and I am joy and I came so that you may have life. And then he says, and have life abundantly. Who do you want to follow? Who do you choose to look to? 
we get to see that Satan, right out of the gate, Satan came right out of the gate with killing. He was murderous right out of the gate. The first you'll find in Genesis is when he did deal with Eve. And he said, go ahead, Eve, eat of that fruit. It'll be fine. It's not going to hurt anything. Surely God won't deal with you harshly or kill you. And then she ate of the fruit, didn't she? And then she offered it to Adam. Goofy man decided to take a bite, didn't he? And the second that that happened, sin entered into the world. It was at that very moment that everything in the world began to die. It's the first time that Satan comes in and he creeps in with this murderous reign that he has. It says the world is groaning because it's dying due to the sin that's entered. The second case comes just shortly after where Adam and Eve had a child. They had two children, Cain and Abel. And because of the sin of the world, Cain picked up a rock, struck his brother over the head, and he killed and murdered him. Again, we get to see right out of the gate where Satan shows up and he shows what his true character really is. But then Jesus tells us, he says, I'll tell you the truth. You don't believe me. You want to follow the father of lies. I'm telling you the truth. You don't want to follow me. And then he says, which one of you convicts me of sin? He just asked on point blank, show me. Prove it. If you think you've got something on me, what is it? Jesus is perfect. Jesus is sinless. Jesus is obedient to the Father. He's done nothing wrong. And when he died on that cross for you and I, he did so without any, any sin whatsoever. He had done nothing wrong. The sinful are going to accuse and convict Jesus. That's us. Back then, it was the, it was the Jews and it was the, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, all those people. But it was a lot of the Jews. We aren't so far removed from that. We're just not. If, been, if we had been back then, many of us today would have been hollering, crucify him. We just would have. And it's because we have been so separated from God for so long. And Satan's lies look good. Remember I told you, he's not scary, he's not ugly, he's beautiful. And the lies that he tells us, we like and want to believe. We want them to be okay. We want the things that we do in our life to be good and to be worthy. But not everything is. Sometimes God's plan is hard, and then sometimes it's difficult to follow, but it's the right plan. And I can 100% tell you, and many of you in this room today can attest, that when you have followed something that the Lord has led you to do, and you were obedient to it, did you not feel the blessing of that? Did you not feel the accomplishment of that? Did you not see the work that God did through that? We've seen people come to know who he is, accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and to be baptized to the point where they now have eternal life to look forward to. We have seen God 
heal people and bring them through times of trials and struggles and strife. We have seen the Lord show up and do countless things, and yet we still struggle to just simply say He is truth and worthy of following. Jesus is truth. He is worth following. So the Jews, they come at Him, they say, are we not right in saying that you, a Samaritan, you know, you are a Samaritan, that you have a demon? Like, are we to just believe you? Being sarcastic with him. Are we to believe this? That's the way they approach him. And Jesus just answers calmly, I don't have a demon, but I honor my father. Remember the distinction between the fathers that are being discussed here. Jesus says, I honor the father, God the father. You honor your father, Satan. There's two distinctions. He says, he says, you, the Jews, you dishonor me. He says, I don't seek my own glory, but he says, there is one, meaning God, who seeks it. And he says, he is the judge. He is the judge. God is our judge, and he will judge at some point. Remember, John 3, 16. You've heard me say it. We're going to look at it again. For God so loved, say it with me, will you? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Amen? That's a beautiful verse, but we got to keep going, people. You can't stop there. It says in verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to do what? To condemn it. He didn't send him here to condemn you. He sent him here so that he could save you. He says, he did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Jesus Christ is not your judge here. He says, God the Father is your judge. When we get to heaven, though, don't think for a second, Jesus Christ doesn't have a say in this thing because he is God. And he is going to claim those who belong to him. He's going to say, well done good and faithful servant for those who have trusted in him who have proclaimed faith in him and then he's going to look at the others who have not and he's going to say away from me depart from me i never knew you it doesn't seem like there's a middle road does there we like to pave a middle road that's what we do we don't want to just simply have one or the other a yes or a no a heaven or a hell do we that's uncomfortable. That's not what we'd like to do. We want to believe that there's going to be this place. That's the reason that purgatory was, was created. Because there is no such thing as purgatory. I said it out loud. There is no such thing. And, and, and if you want to get down to it, and I'm not picking on it because I, I know my family's here and my mom's probably even like, I'll be careful where you tread. But because <clears throat> we grew up Catholic. But even the Catholic Church said purgatory exists. And then they said, no, wait a second. No, it don't. It doesn't exist anymore. And then they went, oh, wait a second. It does exist now, but it's a lesser form of what we knew before. What? What are you talking about? You know what this says? This says, believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior or you go to hell. That's what I know. It's a black and white issue. It is a yes or a no. It is a heaven or hell. You don't get to pick. Jesus is going to decide. If you've trusted in him, he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. And if you haven't, he's going to say, depart from me. 
It matters in your heart. Do you know Jesus Christ? Do you recognize him for who he is and for what he is? He is the one who saves us. I can't sugarcoat it this morning. I would like to. If you think this is an easy message to bring before you, I invite you to come and do it. Because it's not comfortable. It's not easy to stand here and tell you that this, is, that this is such a hard thing for us to grasp. But there's people here that I love. There are people in this room, all over this room, who I want to see again one day. And if I don't tell you truth, it's on me. It's on me. And I, as a Christian... When I accepted Jesus Christ, I also accepted that. It says, go therefore, make disciples of all nations. Doesn't it? We all have that calling. If we believe in Jesus Christ, we all have that calling. Jesus then, he responds, he says, truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. Anytime he says truly, truly, you've got to pay attention. He says it twice to make you, make you stop. Romans chapter 6 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. You know, we can, we can struggle. But there's a clear gift of grace that's being offered here. You don't have to go your life without a hope of eternity. All you have to do is believe in Jesus. He offers this gift freely. You don't have to do anything to earn it. There isn't anything that you have to do other than, it says in Romans 10, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, and it says you will be saved. That's what it says. Not my words. I would love to tell you, you're healed. You're healed. You get salvation. You get to like pull it out. Like I would just, just point it out. Boom, you get it. You, I can't do that though. I don't have the power to do that. Jesus Christ does though. And all you have to do is surrender to him. Believe in him. In his way. Proclaim faith in him. All it takes is for you to say, Jesus, I need you. That's it. But it comes from here can't be lip service it has to be that you feel this tug in your heart that you feel the holy spirit is going hello i'm knocking are you going to open the door to receive me and if you say yes you will be saved it's we make it so much harder than it has to be don't make it difficult he wants you to be saved he doesn't want you to go to hell he doesn't want you to deal with satan and it's not that if you get saved, it's not that you won't still deal with Satan. He attacks me all the time. He comes after me and my family. When Sierra was 14-ish, he dealt with her harshly. It hurt Sean and I so bad. But the Lord brought us through it. And without his help, oh, we would not have made it. And you see where she is today. Well, she's not here, but you know what I mean. In theory, <laughs> okay? Listen, the Jews tell him, tell Jesus, you know, we know that you've got this demon. Abraham died as did the prophets. If anybody, you know, like, they're, like they're, they're going, look, you've got this demon. 
And Jesus just tells them, if anybody keeps my word, he will never taste death. Your physical body will die here today. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe next year. Maybe 10 years from now. Who knows? But if you belong to Jesus, this temporary home will fade away, but you will have a forever home with God the Father. That's the hope you're looking for. That's the hope you're looking for. And it's never too late. Don't feel like, well, I haven't accepted Jesus Christ yet, so uh, maybe it's too late for me. Because you know that, that old fellow, Roger Gillespie, that I baptized? He was 70. He professed faith in Jesus Christ at 70 years old. We baptized him, and we just buried him yesterday, or the day before yesterday. He died a month later. Is that going to be you? Are you going to be the one that waits that long? I'm going to encourage you, don't. Don't wait that long. I waited way too long myself. I was 33 years old before I knew the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. That was way too long. I wasted a lot of time. Don't wait that long. And if you're older than me, one, God bless you, but two, it's not too late. It's never too late until it is too late. And don't wait for that day. Don't push it to the edge. Jesus Christ is the great I am. It's the reason I called this today. He is the great I am. The last thing I'm going to leave you with, and then I'm going to shut up. Jesus said that he had met Abraham, and they're questioning him on this. As a matter of fact, they're calling him out trying to prove Jesus is a liar. They said, you're not even yet 50 years old, and you've met Abraham? There's no way possible. And he says, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. It's because Jesus existed from the beginning. Jesus is God. He came here in flesh. He is the Lord God, though. He gave up his position on high as, as God the Father, and he came here to be God the Son to be among us, to dwell among us. And he absolutely did meet Abraham. You may recall one last story that says, the Lord stood before Abraham and he pointed down to Sodom and Gomorrah and he said, I'm going to destroy that city. And Abraham begged him and said, please, I'm begging you, what if there is 50 that are righteous? And the Lord said, I won't destroy it if there's 50. And then Abraham began to count down a number until he was like, you know, hey, what if there's only you know, 10 the Lord said, I won't do it. I won't, I won't destroy that city. If there's, if there's even just a few, I won't destroy it. The Lord showed up. Abraham saw the Lord. Abraham knew the Lord, and Jesus knew Abraham. He has been around since the beginning. He is the great I am. He is in control, and he is the one that that's going to deal with you and your destiny. Trust him today. He knows you. He knows you personally. He already knows anything and everything that's holding you back. Whatever it is. I don't care what it is. If you've got something holding you back today, he already knows it. If that's any comfort to you at all, or maybe that terrifies you, I don't know and I don't care. Just know that he does know it. Confess to him, I need you in my life. Trust in him and allow him to lead you into your future. 
Let's pray together. Father, we give you thanks and praise today for being the great I am, for being the one who is able to bring us life eternal, for being the one who forgives us our sins. Father, we ask now that you would move upon our hearts, that you would that you would help us throw and cast away anything that is holding us back from you. That we would lay it all down at your feet and that we would just simply cry out, Jesus, I need you. I need you in my life. I need you to help me make decisions. I need you to, to help carry me forward. Lord, I am struggling in my life in some which way and I know that you can be the help that I need. Help me to trust you. Cry out to you. Lord, lay that upon our hearts today. Help us to believe that you are our great comforter, our great physician, our great everything. That you are our Father. That you are the great I am. So bring us to you. Don't allow Satan to stop us in our tracks. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, we say, Satan, you have no place here today. You have no place in our hearts. You have no place in our minds or our souls because we belong to Jesus. It says that all demons tremble in your presence, Lord. Help us to tremble there as well. And complete all of you. So Lord, guide us today. Help us to make decisions. And help us cling to you pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.